from Sarasota Memorial and the Deb Kavanaugh Multimedia Studio. This is HealthCast, a healthy dose of information from experts you can trust. Hi, everyone. Welcome to HealthCast. I'm Allison Gottermeyer. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss risks for ovarian cancer and how genetics can play a role in treatment. Our guest today is Dr. Beverly Long, a gynecologic oncologist here at Sarasota Memorial. Dr. Long, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So first of all, what is the most prevalent cancer that you treat? Well, as far as um, gynecologic cancers in the U.S., uterine cancer is definitely the most common with about 70,000 cases per year. Um, unfortunately, obesity is really the underlying risk factor for uterine cancer, so rates are going up every year. And then we also speak a lot about ovarian cancer. It's something you hear about a lot. How prevalent is it? Ovarian cancer is a lot more rare. The lifetime risk for the general population is around one and a half percent, and there's about 20,000 cases per year in the U.S. What are the risks for ovarian cancer? Ovarian cancer has varying risk factors. The biggest risk factor is definitely genetics. About 15 to 20% of ovarian cancers are, occur related to some kind of genetic mutation. Um, other risk factors are things like endometriosis, um, nulliparity, which means never being pregnant, um, some other risk factors, but the main risk factor is genetics. Are there any symptoms someone with ovarian cancer might experience to clue them in, hey, I, I need to see my doctor? The symptoms are subtle, but there usually are symptoms. They used to say that ovarian cancer was the silent killer because it didn't have any symptoms. But when we've really looked into it, most women with ovarian cancer do have some symptoms, um, things that they're just vague, so they don't always recognize them. There are things like bloating, eating a little bit and feeling very full, like you don't wanna eat anymore, um, vague abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, um, those are the most common uh, symptoms, but they can be relatively subtle, so not everyone notices them. And you spoke before about the prevalence of uterine cancer. Are there symptoms for uterine cancer that women should be aware of? Yeah, the biggest symptom of uterine cancer is vaginal bleeding after menopause or abnormal heavy periods, usually happening somewhere after age 45, but it can happen earlier. So any abnormal periods, um, a woman should definitely see her doctor. Um, but vaginal bleeding is the main symptom of that. About 90% of women who have uterine cancer will have vaginal bleeding, but fewer than 10% of women with abnormal vaginal bleeding will have uterine cancer. So it's just something that needs to be checked out, but it's not always cancer. Now, we know that there are preventative screenings for other types of cancers. Are there preventative screenings for gynecologic cancers? Well, yes, for cervical cancer. Pap smears are definitely the most successful screening method for you know most cancers. They've really reduced the risk of cervical cancer in the US. Um, but pap smears don't typically detect uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, or the other gynecologic cancers. Um, for ovarian cancer and uterine cancer, there's really no good screening. We do, we have, there have been studies looking at doing ultrasounds or blood testing to detect ovarian cancer early, but they really haven't been successful in early detection or improving survival from cancer. So the best way is really knowing your risks and, and working on those with your doctors? Right, if, if you have a family history of cancer, you should definitely get genetic testing because that could really tell you your risk. 
and otherwise just symptom awareness is the best best method of screening. Speaking about ovarian cancer, there are a lot of misconceptions out there about it. So let's tackle one major question head on. Is ovarian cancer a death sentence? Well, ovarian cancer is difficult to cure. Um, it Typically, it, we don't catch it until it's a stage three or even four. And so it does typically come back even after aggressive treatment. Um, but ovarian cancer is somewhat treatable in that most ovarian cancers, about 80% of ovarian cancers, will respond to chemotherapy and surgery in the upfront setting. Um, so many women who have ovarian cancer can get prolonged remissions up to many years. And we have newer targeted therapies that can prolong those remissions even longer. Um, so while ovarian cancer is difficult to cure, many women do live five, 10, even more years with ovarian cancer if the cancer responds to treatments. Talk about the advancements you've even seen in treatment for these ovarian cancers and some of those targeted therapies that are newer and give women more options. Yeah, the biggest advance in ovarian cancer in the last, well, maybe ever, um, has been PARP inhibitors. PARP inhibitors are a targeted therapy. It's a pill that women take every day. Um, and it instead of uh, killing cells the way chemotherapy does, PARP inhibitors target cells that are more likely to be abnormal in ovarian cancer. Essentially, there's a big um, conglomerate of proteins in your cells that kind of go around and fix mistakes that your DNA makes as it's growing. Um, and in ovarian cancer, many times, some of, the, some of the cells in that conglomerate of proteins are abnormal. So a PARP is another protein in that glob of cells. So when you knock it out and you also have other um, proteins in the glob, in the conglomerate that don't work, um, the, the protein bundle doesn't work at all and the cell dies. Um, so basically, PARP inhibitors target ovarian cancer cells preferentially and they've been shown to prolong remissions of women with certain genetic mutations in their tumors or in their bodies um, for more than three years. Now, would those be taken with chemotherapy as well? So they have been studied to be given with chemotherapy, but it didn't seem to work any better than chemotherapy alone. So the way we use them is as a maintenance treatment. Um, when a woman has ovarian cancer, she's typically treated up front with surgery and chemotherapy. And then if she has a if the tumor has a response to those therapies, um, and in patients who have some of these genetic mutations that we've been talking about, um, we can use these uh, PARP inhibitors as a maintenance therapy after treatment to try to prolong the remission. You spoke a little bit about the genetic component with some of these gynecologic cancers. In the last HealthCast episode, I spoke with Nicole Wood, who does genetic counseling here at Sarasota Memorial for the Brian D. Jellison Cancer Institute. So how might genetics impact the course of treatment you choose for someone with ovarian cancer right now? So the upfront treatment of ovarian cancer is the same for all women because ovarian cancer does respond so well to chemotherapy. Um, but women who have genetic mutations either in their bodies, like a hereditary mutation that can be passed down through families, or if there's a mutation in the tumor, they will respond better to PARP inhibitors than the general population. So I typically use PARP inhibitors up front 
for maintenance therapy after the first treatment only in patients who have some kind of mutation that we can target um, because they work better in that setting. Now, are there numerous mutations that someone might have that are in, that are related to these cancers? Yeah, basically that big bundle of protein of proteins that goes around and fix cells. It has a lot of proteins in it, and any protein in that glob of proteins can be mutated. And there's a um, <clears throat> basically what we call like a phenotype, like how the proteins work, called homologous recombination deficient. And that means that that glob of proteins doesn't really work well and PARP inhibitors can exploit that and work better in those patients. How is Sarasota Memorial working to help research the role of genetics in treatment of gynecological cancers? At Sarasota Memorial, we have multiple trials that are looking at targeted therapies in ovarian cancer. And so they're targeted for patients who have specific mutations either in their bodies or their tumors. One exciting trial that we have is actually for prevention of ovarian cancer in patients with genetic mutations. Um, and that's probably the most exciting because prevention is you know, better than treatment. So with that clinical trial just mentioned, um, that you just mentioned, kind of what is it and, and how will it, it affect treatments for patients with ge the genetic mutation? So patients with a BRCA or a BRCA mutation can have up to a 40% lifetime risk of ovarian cancer. So currently the recommendation for these patients is to have their fallopian tubes, ovaries, and sometimes the uterus um, removed around age 35 to 45, depending on the mutation, um, and to, in order to prevent cancer. And that's very effective at preventing cancer, but it also has a lot of side effects because it causes premature menopause. And we know that removing the ovaries before age 45 increases your risk of early death from cardiac disease, um, osteoporosis, dementia. Um, and so we're trying to find ways to prevent ovarian cancer without causing those undue side effects. There's basic science research that shows that most ovarian cancer actually starts in the fallopian tubes. The fallopian tubes are the tubes that are um, coming from the uterus that carry the egg into the uterus. So they don't have a hormonal function and they really don't do anything after a woman's done having children. Um, so this trial is basically looking at whether removal of the fallopian tubes and leaving the ovaries in place is enough to prevent ovarian cancer and then the ovaries can be removed later, closer to the natural age of menopause to prevent those early menopausal symptoms. With that being said, who is eligible for the trial and how can someone learn more if they're interested or if they're eligible? So this trial is open to the women at highest risk of ovarian cancer. So this is um, women with BRCA1 mutations and you need to be between the age of 35 and 50 and have completed childbearing. You also can't have had treatment for another cancer within one year. And obviously you can't have already had ovarian cancer or fallopian tube cancer. Um, but women who have not been treated for another cancer and are thinking about risk-reducing surgery, this is a great option. So they would reach out to the Clinical Research Center at yes. Sarasota Memorial? Yeah. Um, how would you say this could impact your field? And, and other trials ongoing right now, um, I know you said there are numerous trials. 
this is a field that's still developing, right? So, so you're constantly getting new treatment options. Right, there recently a, a trial that we had open at Sarasota Memorial um, used the data from the trial. They're using the data from the trial now to get FDA approval for a new treatment for recurrent ovarian cancer. So the trials we're doing at Sarasota Memorial are definitely impacting care all over the world. And even outside of Sarasota Memorial, you're seeing from all over the world more interest in treating these cancers, right? Right, I mean, gynecologic cancers, their research is underfunded compared to other cancers, but we are doing new research all the time. And this is a really exciting area of treatment that we're making advances in. And lastly, how is um, the Brian D. Jellison Cancer Institute <laughs> going to impact care for patients here in the community? Um, or how is it already, now that it's open, impacting treatment for your patients? I think with the Brian D. Jellison Cancer Institute, we're able to do more multidisciplinary care because we have all our patients in the same building. Um, and we're already recruiting more specialists, um, you know, more medical oncologists, um, more surgeons who can do um, advanced treatment for cancer. Um, the the um, oncology facility is also quite nice. Patients have a really comfortable experience private rooms, um, new innovative operating room suites. Um, so we're really excited about the Cancer Institute and I think it will allow more women to stay in Sarasota for care. Dr. Long, thank you so much for your time in discussing gynecologic oncology here at Sarasota Memorial, specifically ovarian cancer today. And, and a little, we touched on a few other topics. Is there anything else you wanna add for someone who might be watching or listening to this episode of HealthCast? I think it's just important to know your risk and really any family history of cancer, you should talk to your doctor about a referral to a genetic counselor um, because finding out your genetics can really help you prevent cancer, which is the best way to treat it. Dr. Long, thank you so much. And again, thank you for joining us today for this important discussion. As always, we encourage everyone in our community to visit smh.com for the latest information at Sarasota Memorial.